Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Gracefully Low Podcast. I'm your host, Lorena, and this is going to be a two-part episode topic. This first episode, part one, is going to be views from my lens, and then the second part episode that I'll be posting next week is going to be from another Christian's lens, so I have a special guest, you guys. So in this specific episode, I talked about some unpopular topics that I failed to hear about when I first gave my life to Christ. And not only that, but I actually made it 10 things that I have learned in the last 10 years of me giving my life to Christ. So this is actually a re-recorded episode from back in May. And I really hope that you guys are blessed by this. And thank you guys for tuning in to Grace Radio Podcast, where we embrace growth. So I have to start off with story time and what inspired me to record this specific episode. Um, So back in, I want to say around April or the beginning of May, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw that one of my friends had posted a video of her being baptized. And I just really remember feeling emotional watching this episode and It's almost like my heart was just bursting into confetti when I was watching this episode. So I went back to when I was baptized and I had the complete different experience. It wasn't emotional at all. As a matter of fact, all I can think about when I was going in and coming out of the water was my hair. Now, my ladies understand this. Let me paint it for y'all. I had a side swoop on that day. And you guys know how it is. That soup has to be to the T, to the point where we have a small toothbrush that we put a little bit of gel on there and we make sure that we, listen, that sucker ain't moving, ain't going nowhere. However, I'm being baptized. So now I'm about to be in the water and it's going to mess up this, the whole feng shui going on on my head. So I literally, that's all I thought about. And I realized that the reason that I was just focusing on the wrong thing is because I really didn't completely understand exactly what I was doing. From my understanding at that point, it was like if I wasn't baptized from the moment that I gave my life to Christ to the moment that I'm baptized, everything that I did for God or everything that I thought I was doing for God was voided as if it didn't have substance, right? So it's like When you go to college, you have to attain a certain amount of degree, I'm sorry, credits in order to attain that degree, which is the end goal. So that's how it was kind of painted to me. Like if I didn't get baptized, then pretty much everything that I was doing was in vain. Um, Me just trying to live for Christ during that moment, um, trying to become more like him um, and just building that relationship like it meant nothing. Kind of like God had his back on me. You know, that's that's how I understood it at the moment. So, you know, when you're a babe in Christ, you just want to do everything that's right for Christ. Like you're so on fire for him. They're like, no, like I I need to do everything possible right at this moment in order to and as fast as possible in order to be to be known by Christ. Because clearly at the point that you wanted to give your life to Christ, most people know that what they've been doing in life hasn't worked. And that's why they turn to him, because they understand that he is a mediator, that he is the, it's like he he's the bridge that closes that gap between us and God. And we want, we were made to be in, in relationship with God. So the way I typically explain baptism, I like to break it in two parts. So you have the physical part, and then you have the spiritual part. So the spiritual part is pretty much what's happening in the spiritual realm when you're being um, inserted in the water you're coming out, you are now being cleansed away from all of your sins and you are made new in Christ. So now he's able to deposit all of him inside of you in order to transform you back into your original state, which is prior to the fall of man. And then you have the physical aspect of it, which is when you publicly declare that now you are in covenant with God. So going back, yes, it is part of the process of 
giving your life to Christ, but that's not to say that everything that you did from the moment that you decided to give your life to Christ has been voided. It's sort of like, let's say, a marriage. So there are two parts of married, like being married. Um, first, you go to the courthouse and you have to actually apply for a marriage license. And then when you're at the altar, is when you're making like a public declaration and people are there to witness your covenant with your spouse. So that's the same way like with baptism. So technically, the people are already married by the time you see them at the ceremony. But they're just, you know, they need... They're there and have you there to be a witness to all of this. So it's the same with with Christ. Like, you give your life to Christ privately or, I mean, publicly, um, depending, like, if you're at a church service or something. But first, it, it's just that that personal decision to actually give your life to Christ and accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And I'll be referencing referencing the Bible verses at like on the show notes, exactly where you can find that in the Bible. Um, and then when you're baptizing, you're making that public covenant or declaration with people there present who are there to witness the beautiful exchange. And so I say all of that to say that if I would have understood that, all of that back then, I probably would have had a different experience and I would have given myself a lot of more grace than I actually did during that time, even during these these 10 years. Because it was embedded in my head to just, you know, like the things of God was pretty much based on works. Everything was works. If I don't do this, I'm not going to get this. If I don't do right, God's not going to love me. If I do bad, God is going to love me less. And it kind of robbed some of some time away from me. But at the same time, I'm very, very grateful because even though I didn't have the right mindset or the right comprehension, now I am able to appreciate stuff even more because now I understand where I don't want to be. And even though it took me 33 years of my life um, to get to where I'm at, which I'm not perfect at all. <laughs> I still struggle with a lot of stuff, but y'all get it. Like It took me 33 years to get to where I'm at to this level of comprehension right now. So even though I still don't have all the answers, I know that looking back at how 33 years of my life went down, I know that I don't want to spend the next 33 years of my life in that way. And I know that that's what grace and mercy are here. They're available to me and I can share it with you guys as well. So this is going to be a two-part um, podcast topic. So this is the first part. I'll be sharing my first 10 things that I've learned the last 10 years of being a Christian. And then my the second part one of my besties is actually going to be part of it and she'll be sharing what she has learned and then we're going to discuss and compare and you know I, I want you guys to also see other Christians perspectives and not just mine because she may be able to say something that may bless you guys in a way that in a way that it will hit home a little closer than maybe something that I have shared Okay, so it only seems right to open up these top 10 topics, the hot 10 <laughs> of my life. I'm just kidding, you guys. This is really not in no um, particular order or one that is more important than the other, but I just feel like I have to open it up with this. It's just saying number one is Christians are not better than anyone else. Um, I know that even when I first gave my life to Christ, I remember feeling this sense of like kind of entitlement. And it's a little embarrassing because this we're actually supposed to be the complete opposite. Like it's supposed to humble us to the point where we realize that and like I really am nothing without God. But for some reason, it it can be flipped over where we feel like we're really above everyone else because we feel like we've made the most right decision and everybody else is going to hell. Like, I'm being completely honest. Remember, I want to be vulnerable about everything. So that's the sense that I that I was carrying around with me. And it is so freaking dangerous because it can lead people away from Christ. It can push them away from Christ. And it can also push you away from Christ because now you're depending on 
your own understanding and it starts to exalt itself over God himself, which it kind of defeats the purpose, right? All right, so I have a quick but not so quick story to back up my number, um, the first topic. So when I first gave my life to Christ, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. So I can be, I can be very like cutthroat, dry, um, and it doesn't come from now. It doesn't come from a place of like being condescending, but more like. If I know that something is right, I want to do it like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. You know, I don't want to cut corners. I don't want to um, just linger in the gray area because we know that the gray area, you know, for the sake of this conversation, the gray area is like confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. He's not, he's not about that life, y'all. He's really not. Um, And so... I couldn't understand what really I was supposed to do. So I knew that there were certain things and and certain situations that I had to really back away from because it was just a ball of temptation or just a ball of confusion. So at the time, I really just like cut off like my, my dear friends that I grew up with and even some of my family members. And it was more like, I was just trying to find myself, y'all. Like now I'm really 24 years old. I am, I'm sorry, 20, 23, I think. I'm 23 years old. I'm trying to figure this thing out. So I know that I have to back away from, but the problem that I had with that is that I didn't do it in love. I legit cold turkey, just like stop reaching out which is very dangerous because in my mind I thought okay let me regroup myself let me let me really build myself up in the way that God wanted me to be built up so when I come back I can come back harder and then I can help everyone you know get saved because I have this good news is this the truth that I have to share with the world and I'm on a time crunch and so I'm gonna do it right right and wrong I messed up y'all so what happens is it took me like three or four years seriously three or four years um for me to feel comfortable enough even just to speak to my close friends and family like about God like you know I would post stuff here on Facebook um here and there about God and stuff but to really just like talk to them about it and it just like bit me in the butt man like no one was very receptive of what I was saying and it's because I was coming off in a condescending way had I given myself grace and accepted, you know, God's mercy, God's grace and mercy, that whole transition would have been done in love. It would have been gone something like maybe having a conversation with them. Hey, guys, like this is where my life is at right now. And I'm really trying to like figure it out. Just like, you know, allot me time to just get myself together and hopefully I can share with you guys. Or, you know, it it doesn't have to be like that. There's no really real recipe, but I just know that my way of going about things was pretty much a disaster. So I lost some friends. um, I lost some connections. Thankfully, I have some really good friends, my childhood friends that are still sticking by, by my side and they still understand, um, that we're all just human, but even with them, I know that there was something that was tainted in our relationship that maybe may take a lot of years to build back, or maybe it won't. But now they understand that my approach is not in a condescending way as it was coming off before. So number two is... Christians are allowed to feel emotion. Like, I just need to say that again for the people in the back. Christians are allowed to feel emotions, you guys. They are. You're allowed to feel sad, mad, disappointed, not happy, very happy, very excited, desire things. Like, it's okay. It's okay. And I really want to stress that because this, Jesus, this messed me up so big. I was brought up, especially as, you know, growing up Catholic, it was like embedded in me that we're not supposed to feel emotion and that emotions are a sin. 
Guys, newsflash. God made emotions. He put these triggers inside of us to protect us. The same way how we're always taught, like, you know, if you put your hand in fire and it hurts, you won't do it again. If you entangle <laughs> entangle yourself with a certain person or a certain group and they backstab you or they they deceive you, then you that pain is just alerting you that you never want to be back in that place again. So it is very healthy to feel emotion. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, the part where it starts becoming sinful is when we allow it to dictate the way we move in life. So for example, a person backstabs you and then you feel like you want to take it upon yourself to get revenge on this person and do some pretty grimy things to this person to make sure that they suffer the same way that you did, then that's where sin comes into play. When you've actively made a decision to do something that doesn't reflect the heart of God or to show love to a person. Now, it's perfectly fine for your next steps after being backstabbed is to allow yourself to mourn this friendship or this person or how your life is now changing without this person because you need to allow yourself to purge from all of that from all from all the toxic um all the toxic and all those spirits that you know are now trying to influence you into doing the things that are not of God that are not based on on love so I know I've mentioned before that I'm a very visual person in order for me to fully comprehend something I have to picture it so in an instant like this what I would do myself is I would create a visual um trash bin <laughs> this sound this even sounds funny saying it out loud um, I would create a visual trash bin and anytime I would feel an emotion, I would bring it to God and say, okay, Lord, like, I don't want this feeling to go away or the ability to feel this to go away. But what I do want you to take away is the part where it's going to cause me to sin. It's going to cause me to sin to revenge against this person. So I would just like toss it in the bin. Even that feeling of missing this person. I would say, okay, Lord, nah, we, we, we got to toss that because my ladies, y'all know that, that feeling of, of missing somebody, it can have you so confused that you will just question your worth. And I'm like, you know what? I'm made holding Christ. Like we, we tossing that bad boy. Like I'm, I'm not doing that. So there we go. We're tossing loneliness in that basket. Anything that doesn't that you would put it next to God, any feeling that you're feeling, if you put it next to God and you see yourself allowing it to exalt itself over just God itself and what he's promised you, toss that bad boy in the bin. And at the last part, I always tossed unforgiveness because I know that like forgiving someone is not for the other person. It is for me. Like, have y'all literally been in a situation where you just continue to dread this this thing so much that it it won't, like, you can't even see clearly. Like, all you see, like, your vision is cloudy. But once you decide, okay, you know what? I'm just going to move past it, man. Like, John, ja, I'm going to take the L and I'm going to learn from it. All of a sudden you just see clear. It's like that. It's just like you're you're clearing the pathway for clarity or for and for blessings and for wisdom to come in because now you've you've removed that that baggage or that that cloud of unforgiveness <laughs> so this is perfect going into number four but let me recap real quick so number one I mentioned Christians are not better than anyone else number two is Christians are allowed to feel emotion Oh, we're at number three, not number four. Dang, this is 19 minutes and I'm not even halfway done. This is definitely a first for me, man. <laughs> I guess I am getting used to this. All right, this from my ladies because I just spoke about um, feeling lonely. <laughs> so I'm going to go right into it. <sighs> God is not in the business of pimping you out. And let me explain that a little bit further. He is not in the business of 
having you having to lay down in the bed with somebody's son or somebody's daughter in order to show them God's love. He, with with every good intention in his heart, God created sex, y'all. He created it like he gifted sex to us. It's a freaking amazing, right? A freaking amazing, but it's not used it was not put on this earth and to be used as a tool to bring someone to Christ look if you just sit down and look at everything that God has made on this earth from the things that you consume from grace mercy forgiveness from giving us a million and one chances a million and one plus chances and still blessing us, still loving us, like he makes sure that he takes care of us. If a person is not willing to accept that, to accept God in their heart, what makes you think that what is in between your legs, regardless of how good it is, it's going to bring someone to Christ? Like, I need y'all to really think about that. Like, I understand that we all struggle with things. I struggle with things. I'm not perfect whatsoever, but one thing that I do want to stress and help people understand that we have, we know what is tempting to us. We know how much we can give of ourselves to other people to the point where we, like we know what that thin line is, that if we surround ourselves with certain things that we're going to start losing ourselves or losing the Christ in us or losing the desire. Like we're going to, we're going to lose conviction if we allow ourselves to get to that point. So we really have to be very strategic into what we allow ourselves to be consumed with, because even though we may think it's little or we may think, okay, we're doing it for a good cause. In reality, if we're not prayed up and if it's not God telling us to proceed a certain way then we're the one that's going to end up falling like you know you have two people you put them in the room and depending who's who has the strongest belief in what they believe in that's the person that's going to hold steady but if we're doing it in the name of love and not really because God told us to then we're going to end up desensing desensitizing everything that we have learned and we're going to be back at square one and so that's something that I really want you all to think about. Um, I've definitely been, I can't say that has not been my story. Um, And that's part of being vulnerable. And I don't think that I thought, oh, I have to sleep with this person. (laughs) Or I, you know, I have to completely give myself of this person in order for them to come to Christ. I don't think that I thought that, but I also know that I wasn't fully armored either. I wasn't intentional about being fully armored, which makes me go into number four. In order for us to completely live out our calling on this earth, we have to be filled with discernment. Like discernment can be looked as like the compass of life. In the same way that we wouldn't even dare to take a trip, let's say, for example, from Georgia to New York without having our GPS, because clearly we cannot drive, what is it, 900 miles um, without direction. Like, we're going to end up getting lost, especially if you have to stop and get gas and get food. You know, sometimes when you get off the, the interstate, you have to drive a few miles down in order to get your gas or your food. It's in the same way that you wouldn't even dare to travel without a GPS. We shouldn't even think about walking through life or putting ourselves in a situation without praying for clarity, wisdom, and discernment. This brings me into the next um, topic, which is feeling peace about something is not merely based on an actual feeling, but rather peace in knowing that your decision lines up with God's word. Now, the reason this is so important is because, you know, this, I actually used to go off of this even up until the beginning of this year. I used to pray about stuff and then I used to say, you know what, I feel peace about it. I'm going to proceed or 
I feel peace about this or I don't feel peace about this, so I'm not going to continue. Now, the danger in this is that depending on what you're feeding yourself or what you're surrounding yourself with is what is pretty much the foundation of what that piece is going to be based on. So I'm going to give you guys an example. Um, so I started to get to a point where I was not completely feeling my job the way that I did. Now, I've been in retail management for about six and a half years now. It's going to be seven in next May. And so, you know, I just, I just, it's like a kid. It's like you, unless you're being challenged in your work, then you start to get bored after a while. Like, that's just me. Like, I just want the next thing. I, I want to be challenged. And I want to learn new things. But it was just a matter of doing the same thing over and over. And I'm not sure if... COVID had anything to do with that. Maybe it did. Maybe just like taking me out of my norm and stuff kind of slowing down. It wasn't my pace. Like I come from the New York type of hustle and bustle when it comes to work-wise. Now, out of work, I don't like that hustle and bustle because I feel like you don't really sit down and just smell the roses. But at work, I always like to be busy. I like to challenge myself. I like to learn new things, right? So coming down here and then just during COVID, everything slowed down. So I started getting really bored at work and I was really like contemplating just applying somewhere else. Um, but it wasn't until people around me started applying to different places and just like leaving the job and just completely like talking down my leadership, which I'm not saying that they weren't right. I'm just saying that that wasn't the type of environment that maybe I should have fed into at the moment because it also takes your eyes off of maybe the reason God is slowing this thing down is because there is a few things that maybe you need to learn or maybe look on the bright side of things are slowing down. What is it like Ask God, what is it that you're trying to teach me in this specific time frame? Don't just automatically, you know, be willing to throw everything away because of something new in the name of something new. Well, you guys know that something new doesn't automatically mean something better. In reality is you take the same mindset into something new and it's always going to end up in the same way. You're still going to be in that still cycle, same pattern because you're not allowing yourself time or you're not opening up your mind to the greater good of why you're going through this specific situation. So in order for you to make sure that that piece that you in air quotation are feeling is really God-based, you really have to get in your word and consume yourself, fill yourself up with the things of God. It's like picture it to be like like a scale, I think, I'm not sure if this is what the actual scale is called or maybe this specific scale that I saw being sold is called like the Tesha scale figurine. Um, it's normally seen when we talk about like lawyers or law. You know, it's like a, a stand that balances two scales. Now one is going to weigh higher than the other one. So you're going to put God's word on one side of the scale and then your feelings on the other side. And whatever is held at the highest, you know what? Yeah, we're going to say the highest because normally I would say whatever weighs lower is going to be the heavier one with the most substance. But for the sake of this conversation, let's say the highest because the one that it's not meant for us is going to weigh us down and it's going to give us the wrong reason. So it's going to put us like at a standstill and we can't move. So if God's word is not on the part, on the side of the scale that is weighing higher, then we know that we have to regroup, you know, bring it back to square one and let's figure this out and proceed from there. Because we know that in the long run, if we make, if we, if we go off of the feeling based, it's like I said, it's going to weigh us down and not allow us to move forward. Alrighty. So we're um, up to number six, but I want to just recap real quick. So going back, number one is Christians are not better than anyone else. Number two is Christians are allowed to feel emotions. Number three is you don't have to date the opposite sex in order to teach them about God. And that's on that, sis. <laughs> um, number four is we cannot fulfill our calling without discernment, which is the compass of life. 
Number five is feeling peace about something is not feeling-based, but rather in knowing that the peace is the decisions that are lining up with God's word. Um, So number six is your pastor is not your main source for your relationship with God. And that is very, very, very common. Why? Because we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to be holy of the holies sitting at the throne of Jesus on Sunday. But come Monday through Saturday, we just want to do our own thing. So what do we do? We just give the pastor the responsibility to teach us about God as if he is like the gateway to God. As if, you know, when God comes back, we're going to say, well, Jesus, you know, my pastor had me. Like, no, this ain't no three-way human relationship. The only three-way relationship, it should be you, God, you know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. So that's four people involved. But your relationship with God should never involve a human being as being the source or the connection to him. Now, we have to remember that our pastors are still human. Like, they will still be tempted, especially because they have the responsibility of teaching the word of God. So come on now, like the enemy hates that. Like all in all, he doesn't want people to be great. He doesn't want people to understand their worth in God. So what is he going to do? He's going to attack the person that has the most influence on this earth to, you know, on them. So we have to remember that even though um, pastors are called to be up there and teach us and lead us, they're still human. And if it's if something just doesn't sit right in your spirit that your pastor is teaching you, you have to feel free and be bold and confident enough to go back in your word and ask God to show you if what this person is teaching you is the right thing. Just because somebody has a title in front of their name does not mean that they will always be right 100%. It's the same way that God entrusted us parents with the kids, like our kids, but he also did not give us the ability to be 100%. Like, we're really winging this thing. <laughs> like, I don't know about y'all, but I'm winging this thing day by day. Clearly, I asked God for guidance to show me to be the mother that my daughter needs me to be, but I'm not always going to be right. And I am okay with telling her, hey, if something feels off, you're able to ask God um, in knowing if what I'm teaching you is the right thing. Now, we're, you know, I mean, we're not going to get too deep into it. She still has to respect me because ultimately I'm trying to guide her in the wrong, in the right direction. But for the sake of this conversation, y'all get what I'm saying. Like, pastors are not always going to have... Um, not going to be right 100% because they're going to be tested. Now, a quick, but um, a little emotional story for me. Um, I've been under three different churches in the last 10 years. Um, one was in Tennessee. One was actually four. One was in Tennessee. One was in Savannah, Georgia. Um, the other one was in New York. And then now here in Georgia. Now, there have been instances where I have... Sitting at the church, I have felt like something wasn't right, um, but I didn't know how to pinpoint it. I didn't know if it had anything to do with the fact that I didn't want to be in service that day because it happens. Let's be real. We have days that we just don't want to be in church for whatever reason. You're sleepy. You want to stay in bed. Um, when I was in, when I used to attend service in New York, um, there were two services, one Saturday night and one Sunday morning. And I used to go Saturday night because I knew that I didn't want to wake up Sunday morning to go to church. So I would catch the night service. So sometimes my friends would be out and they would be, you know, at another friend's house just having fun. And I would like not want to be there in service. But then I would be so blessed by the word and I just wanted to go back and share with them. But I remember this specific time that the pastor was preaching and I'm like, mm, something's not right. Like, I don't know what it is, but something is just off. I just wanted to walk off. And needless to say, sometime after that, I remember hearing someone teach that. Like saying, like, you know, it's okay for you to question um, your pastor because they are human. And I'm like, oh, my God, I knew that's what it was. And then, you know, so I just realized that 
my responsibility is for what I'm allow what I'm teaching myself or what I'm giving time to in order to learn more about God, not using my pastor as the main source. Like yes, they are blessed to be able to explain stuff to us or put stuff in a certain perspective that we will be blessed in that, you know, maybe sometimes a person that maybe struggles with like reading the word won't, won't grasp, but they're still human. So that's one incident. Another incident, um, I was like so in love with the way this specific pastor preached. Like I was like, Lord, every single time I go to church, this specific pastor just preaches to me, man. Like, God, like you have to be all in this. Like you really do. And something happened with the church that I don't know so much about, but I remember they were under investigation and y'all like, I felt so lost. I felt so broken. I felt betrayed. I felt I questioned my my relationship with God. And so like months down the line when I verbally like I said it out loud how I was feeling to one of my cousins, I remember thinking it's like the Holy Spirit put it in my heart. Like your relationship with God is not the three-way relationship between you, your pastor, and God. Like, you would not be saved because of your pastor. Y'all get it? Like, when it's time to go up there and we're, like, standing in front of God, like I mentioned, he's not going to say, okay, Lorena, well, you weren't in your word or you weren't really seeking me, but, you know, your pastor had you. Like, that's not that's not the way it works. So it just further made me realize that I was literally falling back on seeking God because I was just banking on my pastor when in reality and so my discord at the time wasn't a beginning of me having a discord or wasn't based on what my pastor and the church was going through it was more of it finally came out like that what they were going through allowed me to realize crap I'm not really seeking God. I'm just out here just winging it, doing my own thing day by day. Just just rolling the dice. Just wishing that I got a six, you know, in my little dice roll when in reality, God is the author of all. So if anything, that's who I should be seeking prior to living my life. All right, so number seven is you do not need someone else to confirm what God has placed on your heart. And that's a big one, too, that actually speaks very loud to me. Um, And it has a lot to do with not being confident in who God is, who he is in your life, what what your purpose is being here. And also a little bit of, you know, a dash of indecisiveness in there as well. Um, I think that a lot of times we get hung up with, okay, well, I think this is what God wants me to do, but I'm just going to go to this specific church or I'm going to, um, you know, tie these $1,000 in the name of God revealing to me exactly what it is, if this is really what he wants me to do. And although I'm not knocking that because I don't, I'm not, in your prayer time. And I don't really know if that's what God is leading you to do. Maybe he is leading you just because he wants to, he wants you to trust him with money because he has great things for you concerning money. So he wants to know that you're able to give him the first of what you receive, you know, with money. Um, and it's a lot, but it, it it's a lot easier to have someone else confirm to you that yes, this is what God told you to do. Because then you know that you have someone that, like, you know that you are not crazy for thinking this thing and wanting to walk this thing out. And you have someone that you can, like, bounce ideas off of or someone that can validate you. But we have to rely on the fact that God doesn't give, necessarily always give other people the same vision that he gives you. Like, there's something in you that is, that it, it's a distinctive thing in you that God knows that he placed inside of you because you specifically have what it takes to bring about this change, bring about this 
this shift that is needed. But it just sounds so crazy that you just kind of just sit on it and you don't move. Why? Because the pastor at the revival night didn't confirm it for you. Or your grandma who's a prayer warrior hasn't confirmed it for you. So now what you're really much telling God is your word holds no weight. Like, I don't trust that what's coming out of your mouth is really tr- is really true, so I'm not going to make any moves. So what happens, it's like God says, okay, well, shoot. I, if I can't get my son or my daughter to trust my word, then what place do I really stand in their life? Like the only person's expectations that we are to live up to is God's. And by not carrying this thing out that he put on your heart, is just like letting him know, like, I live for the expectations of other people or for the confirmation of other people. But we should all know specifically that sometimes when we're seeking for that and the enemy knows that we're seeking for other people's approval or confirmation, it can be very dangerous because regard whether wherever that person is at that specific moment in time, that's what they're going to push on you. So they're going to try to, even in, in the name of like sometimes of love and people just putting the stamp of God on it, they can also mislead you in this thing that God is telling you to do. So God can tell you, hey, listen, um, I don't know how many people that are listening are from New York, but so in Manhattan, if you're going a straight shot from downtown to uptown, the streets are actually labeled by numbers and consecutive numbers. And then you also have two sides, which is the west side on the left side and then the east side on the right side. So let's say, for example, God tells you, hey, meet me 42nd Street, um, Bryant Park, which is located on the east side. But I need you to go all the way up to 59th Street. But because on 59th Street, you'll hit Central Park, you can't continue going up. You're going to have to either go further into the east side or go to the left side, which will bring you to um, 59th Street, Columbus Circle. And then you're going to go up to 72nd Street and Broadway. And that's where we're going to meet. So he gives you specific instructions. Let's say, for example, along the way I meet, um, I'm like, well, you know what? Is that what really God told me? So then I meet a friend of mine on once I hit 59th Street and I tell that friend, these are the instructions that God gave me. So I'm going to do it this way. And then the friend tells me, well, you're going to kind of waste time if you take a left to go onto Columbus Circle. If you go to the left of Columbus Circle to then go back up. Why don't I join you and we just go through Central Park all the way up to 72nd Street and then take a left and meet God on Broadway? Because it's a shortcut. Um, it'll save you time. So in the name of this person really wanting to help you out, in their mind, they're thinking, okay, this is the faster route to get to the end point. But this person also doesn't know that there's something that God was saving you from in that shortcut. And that's why he specifically told you to make a left, you know, to go all the way to the left and then go up to 72nd Street. So now you and your friend you know, lollygagging, going through Central Park, and y'all just get thrown off, completely thrown off course because God saw something that you weren't able to see, and he knew that you didn't need those that specific trouble because he knew that it would divert you away from that specific thing that he told you to do. So now you're done, son. The whole thing now is going to take you like 30 years <laughs> to get to 72nd Street. It's no different than in the Bible where they talk about Moses is trying to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land, a trip that was supposed to take a certain amount of days and it actually ended up being years because they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. Same thing, no difference. Different time, so different time frame in the world, but same results. So I think y'all tracking. I think y'all know what I'm trying to say. All right, y'all. So number eight. Um, this is something that is actually pretty big thing that I hear all the time. Um, I hear people, people have expressed to me before, like, you know, 
I've thought of really giving this God thing a try, but I don't feel like I want to give up all the desires that I have in my heart. Like I know that, like Christianity is painted out to be like this boring thing. Like you can't do absolutely nothing. You can't listen to anything but music that sounds like it's angels in heaven singing or um, you can't dress a certain way or you can't eat a certain type of food or you can't be, um, you know, the, the typical stuff that you hear all the time. And I'm sorry to be uh, the barrier of bad news that I'm just like completely breaking up that thought process, but living a life for Christ is the least of the boringest things that you will ever do on this world. Even your best day without God does not compare to your worst day with God. Like, I know that's as cliche as it sounds, but let me tell you all something. You have to remember that God is the author of all, right? God made you. God put these interests and desires in your heart. Yes, there may have things that have planted more seeds or have watered certain things or have, you know, shifted things a little differently um, for you to still be interested in those things and do something other than glorify God with them. Yes, that happens. But ultimately, God put that in your heart. So let's say, for example, you worked, what, um, let's say 20 years in sales and you're a really, really good salesperson. You your leadership is amazing in sales. Like you just know exactly what to say to manipulate a customer to ultimately take your route instead of someone else's route, like another company's route. And you that's all you do. You spend 20 years just lying, just lying. Like once you decide to live your life to Christ, God is not going to take that, that um, skill away from you as far as being able to lead and people to follow you once you open your mouth, like he can ultimately take that and you may be the next big pastor because you just have a way of putting stuff in perspective for people that will bring them to Christ. So he doesn't automatically take that from you. And just for the sake, the fact that I live in Atlanta and it's really known to just to have like strip clubs and, you know, that type of scene so another example for my women let's say for example you just been a showgirl or a stripper like since you were a kid because you had to fend for your family and feed your kids and you were an only mom you decide to give your life to Christ but you still really enjoy entertaining God is not going to take that desire to entertain away from you like he may have you just give you the ability to maybe like open up a school of dance for little girls that are living in poverty and because you know what it's like to go from nothing to having a lot you're able to coach them on how to use their um just their desire to you know dance and choreograph and you guys get what I'm saying like it he doesn't take those desires away from you you don't have to drop everything at the drop of a dime once you give your life to Christ if you like to smoke weed to the point or or even drink to the point where you black out you give your life to Christ Shoot, continue doing that. Guess what? Because it's the transformation of getting to know God after that that's going to make you want to stop it. Because you know that when you're intoxicated to that point, you can't think or make decisions with a sound mind. So you know that you're not going to be able to lead anybody to Christ or live your life in abundance. So if it's on your heart, just talk to him. Like, it's okay. Just tell him exactly how you feel. Which brings me to topic number nine, which is prayer. I think I've spoken about this at another podcast, or maybe it was on my Instagram page. But I just have to just re-say it or recite it. Prayer really has no specific recipe on how you do it and how God receives it. Like, it's pretty much just a conversation that you are having with God the same way that you would call up your friends just to express how you're feeling like it does not have to be a like a a, such a grand experience where 
you have to wait until you get home to get on your knees you have to wait until there's nobody in the room for you to pray like you can really have this conversation with god anywhere like he should be your human diary don't think that it has to be like a I think it's called like a dissertation when you're going for your doctor's doctor's degree. He's not looking for perfection in your prayer. What he's looking is for real. So if you feel aggravated or angry at him, let him know. Because, come on, guys, if anybody knows our heart, it's going to be God. So you sitting there trying to sound like you're so perfect, like, God, you know, I didn't mean to do this and I'm so sorry. You know, he's going to be like, sis, like, come on now. Like, honey, be real with me. Like, I know your heart and my love can wash away that imperfection that you feel like you have. So if you just say, I mean, it's best for you to be like, hey, God, um, so I know what I'm doing is not right. And for some reason, I just can't, I don't feel convicted about it. So I don't know how I'm going to stop. Like, just give me the ability to stop because I know it doesn't. It doesn't glorify you. And I know that you're not satisfied with the way I'm acting. Like he is more likely to appreciate that realness than appreciate the lie and saying, I didn't mean to do it. So with that said, your prayer time should definitely start with just continuously being in the word. But even when you're not at, in the word, like if you're driving to work and just talking to him, presenting him your day, um, if you're in the shower and you just think about him just thank him for your day if you're cooking if you are you know doing homework if you're having a walk just including him in every single part of your day not only makes him feel special but it also builds connection between you and him because you we know that whatever you don't give attention to doesn't grow so it makes him feel like he is part of your day and not only does it make him feel part of your day but it will also help you just even relieve the anxiety of knowing that all everything that's happening in your day doesn't just fall on you like he cares about every single thing that concerns you every single thing so i know that with me um at the point where i decided you know what i'm just gonna just talk to god throughout the day it really helped me kind of reel me back and let me know hold on i'm not really walking this journey by myself like god is definitely I'm going to allow him to be intertwined with every single decision. Even, oh my God, this may sound like extra to you guys, but this is just the way I move. Even if I need gas, literally, and just giving you guys an example, even if I need gas, I'm like, okay, Lord, like I have a few gas stations coming up. Which one should I stop in? Like, which one makes more sense? Or if I'm writing an email at work and i'm feeling some type of way about the email and i'm like okay lord like help me out because if i type up this email the way i'm feeling right now i'm gonna sound petty so help me out so it's just it's something you don't have to do but it's just to give you guys an example that i make sure that i add them throughout the day because i know that expressing my every thought with him is building a relationship between me and him all right y'all so that was number nine we've made it to number 10 and if you're here that means you really really love me so thank you guys very much um i hope you guys are being blessed by this so i'm just gonna run back before i, I hit number 10. so number one is christians are not better than anyone else number two is christians are allowed to feel emotion number three is you don't have to date the opposite sex to teach someone about god and that's on that sis okay number four is we cannot fulfill our life calling without discernment. Number five is feeling peace about something is not feeling based, but rather in knowing the decisions line up with God's word. Number six was your pastor is not your main source for your relationship with God. Number seven is you don't need someone else to confirm what God has placed on your heart. Number nine is the art of prayer. And number 10 is grace and mercy. And I really have to stress this because this is something that I really had to comprehend in order to move past things in life. Grace is something that I really had a hard time comprehending or just even granting myself. Every time I would mess up with something, I would always feel shameful about it. And I felt like I had to hide under a rock because I felt like God just thought it you know, he, I was the worst thing. Like he just thought the worst of me. And so because I didn't accept God's grace and I didn't give myself grace, I continued to just like go down this like rabbit hole of being worse and worse, which falls into condemnation. 
So it wasn't until I understood that grace is something that you do not earn. It is a gift that God gives you because he knows that if he condemns, it's not going to bring about change. So just remember that it is a gift. You cannot, there's absolutely nothing that you can do that will make him love you more or love you less. So once I understood that, girl, I felt like running a marathon. I felt so free, like the freedom that that really brings. Because think about it, y'all. God is the creator of all. If he gives us grace, even in our mess ups, who are we? Little old us, like we are just like a little dot on this earth. We're very powerful with the things that we can do. But just think about that. Him being God, who are we to just oh, not grant ourselves grace or grant somebody else grace? Like we make terrible gods. Okay, so for you to sit there and hold a grudge towards somebody for so long, you're pretty much just like exalting yourself over God because now you're not allowing this person to to change. Like, as cliche as it sounds, like literally you have to let it go, accept grace, and allow God to handle it from there. And if it's something that you struggle with, and that's something that you need to get in the Bible for, and look up forgiveness, look up how to do it, look up stories on how people forgave, you know? And then mercy is pretty much the things that he saved us from that we did deserve which is freaking beautiful to even just think about Jesus. Like how many times have y'all done stuff and like y'all haven't got caught for it. It is not by chance. It's not by luck. Okay. It was probably God saving you guys from that disaster that would have came from there because he knew that he can teach you a better lesson somehow. I mean, granted, we know that we will reap what we sow, but God has a special way of, crafting that lesson for us where we would be able to learn it a lot more healthier and that's that's just freaking beautiful y'all all right y'all so if y'all made it this far y'all are really the real mvps this is my longest episode 57 minutes thank you guys so much for tuning in i hope you guys all were blessed by it or learned about it somehow like i mentioned in the intro the second part will be coming next week and that will be featuring one of my besties she'll be the first guest on the show and i am so honored that she is my first guest Alrighty, y'all so if you're wondering how to connect with me my instagram handle is gracefully low feel free to send me messages on there follow me give me some feedback let me know how this has blessed your life and if you feel fancy enough go ahead and share these podcasts or rate it or even share it on your instagram that would really help the podcast just reach who needs to be reached, you guys. So like my daughter says, don't be shy, share it. <laughs> so I love you guys so much. And I guess talk to you guys soon in the next episode. Bye.